One, two, three. Hallelujah! Clap for the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Let's all be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for blessing us, blessing us to be here this morning. We thank you for giving us yet another opportunity to sit at your feet and receive fresh rhema from heaven. I bind the work of the devil right now in the name of Jesus, that there be no distractions, but that your word would go forth and accomplish that which you've sent it to. We thank you, Lord, and we surrender to the power of the Holy Ghost now in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Church said amen. amen. Praise God. All right. All right, look at your name and say, get your Bible out. Okay, so uh, we got some business to tend to. We're going to get right into this and uh, let God's power just continue to flow. Amen. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing. And so um, I want to preach this message this morning entitled, Restoring Your Passion. <clears throat> Restoring Your Passion. And... Uh, we all want to pay attention to this and, and we want to go as far as God would take us. And so this is really, really important. So restoring your passion. Okay, let's go to Revelation, Revelation 2, verses 2 through 5. So he says, I know all the things you do. And this is Jesus speaking to the churches. And so, but we can learn from that. I mean, oh, the Bible is alive and living and, and God's going to use this book to help you in your journey of life. And it's going to help you so that, you know, God never just randomly does stuff and, and his people know nothing about it. He does it and people will know about it because it's going to be revealed to them in his word. Amen. Amen. And so I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. And so we can think about this as Christians. There are, there are many people that have done a lot for the Lord or they've put in a lot of time or tried to stay faithful, all these type of things. But he says, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. So what does this mean? This doesn't mean we shun People, but what this means is we don't co-sign evil. Amen. We we have a standard. We're just not like uh, saying that everything the world says is right. We're not saying okay, that's right. No, we're taking our stance, and and that's a good thing. That's a good place to be. Amen. Come on, somebody. It's good to be in a place where you have patient endurance. It's good to be in a place where you're not co-signing with evil. Right. It doesn't mean you're going around blasting people. But what this is talking about? Oh no, we're we're not tolerating unrighteousness and now saying that it's right. So we get that now. We understand that as Christians. Um, and uh, next verse, verse three says, you have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but are not. You have discovered they are liars. And so what this means is as you advance in your Christianity, you're going to be able to do that too. You're going to be able to pick out, oh man, these guys are not telling the truth. These guys are fake, whatever. And so that's all good. You So just imagine this. You read your word, you know, you come to church, you're faithful, you know, uh, you're not co-signing evil. You have some good moral uh, standards, right? Uh, how many know it's good to have moral excellence? 
As you get more than one, eight, one or two amens, when we talk about moral excellence, it's, it's good to be morally strong, right? To where it's like, oh, no, no, we do the right thing. When on Sunday? No, no. We do the right thing all the time. Amen. We're not those that are lying and cheating and stealing and trying to find this other stuff. We're going to honor God with our behavior. Well, that's all good. Um, but then he says, and then you can point out when other people are liars who say they're representing Jesus and all this stuff, and they're not. There's so much hypocrisy out in the world. But next verse. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. How many of you have suffered for Jesus? If you haven't, maybe you haven't really signed up for him. But if you are with Jesus, there's going to be sacrifice. There's going to be ridicule. There's going to be people that speak bad about you. They're going to be friends that you once had that no longer want to be your friends. There's going, it's sacrifice. You're going to have to give up stuff. I mean, oh, there's going to be times where you can't do what you might have wanted to do because you have sacrificed for God. And then there's going to be some times where you're doing things and you're living for God, but you don't, it, it, the, it seems like the reward is slowing coming but it's just like uh, oh man well but you don't quit amen Amen. and what do you do you keep believing you get up and you do it again you get up and you stay faithful and you keep and so this is what he's talking about next verse oh what was this a setup see some of us were excited about those other categories like yeah man I'm a faithful servant. I'm, I'm 100 for God. I'm this. I'm, yeah. You know what? I, I'm keeping it clean. You know, I'm not uh, co-signing evil. I mean, we all, we were starting to feel good. Now, if you were not, if you are one that was not keeping it 100 for God, when I'm reading all that stuff, you might say, oh man, I better get myself together. But even if you are in a place where you feel like, yeah, I got that stuff together. What does he say now? Verse four. But, ah. Uh, so you've been doing good, but ah, you don't want Jesus saying but on you because you know something else is coming. But I have this complaint against you. Amen. Oh. I mean, if Jesus got a complaint against you, that's not good. Hallelujah. Amen. But but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me. Y'all in here? Y'all OK being at church today? Amen. You don't love me. Or each other as you did at first. Amen. Oh, we're going to receive instruction today. Next verse. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Stop right here. So what is he saying? He said, you did all this stuff. So you learn how to be a Christian. That's what you did. You learn how to be a Christian. Oh, some of you learn how to stop drinking, stop cussing, stop all. You learn to do all that stuff. That, that, okay. He's like, yeah, that's awesome. That's wonderful. And some of you even learn how to come to church and, and, and be committed to the things of God. He's like, okay, that's wonderful. Uh, but this one thing I have against you. You don't love me. And you don't love people the way you used to. And so now this is talking about your motives. And so the motives change over time. And so God wants you to remember how you used to be at first, because then he says, if you don't repent, even if he had just said all the good you've been doing. But he said, if you don't repent from where you have fallen, if you don't acknowledge that you have fallen, 
What do you mean, pastor? I'm, I'm a faithful servant. I go to church. I'm, but God will say you have fallen. And if you don't recognize how you have fallen and repent, then I'm going to come take your lampstand away. And so what is this speaking? How do we learn from this uh, context of scripture? So he's saying, you don't love me or each other as you first did. And so now we got to start. How many of y'all remember, man, when you first got saved? Come on, anybody in here? Come on, how many of y'all remember when you used to be passionate about this thing? Man, come on, somebody. How many of y'all remember you used to get to church early? I can't get no amen. Y'all, y'all, y'all might not like me today, but I, I've been and took my jacket off today because I feel like an anointing is on me. Because God is prepping us for another level. See, you can't. God is prepping us for another level. I told the outreach team yesterday, I said, man, you know, it's like those those lightning sticks. You know, you got to crack them for the light to go on. So y'all been cracked and that light is on. But when God illuminates you and lights you up and gets you that fire going, you have to be ready. Because now it's going to be a draw. It's going to be a supernatural draw and an attraction. And so now. People are going to start flocking to you. And the only way the enemy can try to stop it is he wants you to be out of position. So that now you cannot handle and you can be overwhelmed. Amen. And so you don't want to be overwhelmed by these things. So you want to be in that position to where now you're able to just flow with what God is doing. And so he says, you don't love me or each other as you first did or as you did at first. And so, like I said, you used to get to church early. Uh, you used to be excited about sharing your faith. How many of y'all remember that? Amen. Oh, come on. See, now, I know we just went on outreach, but think about this. When you first got saved, you used to be trying to tell everybody about Jesus. You're talking about that. Hey, man, I'm just wondering. And then you talk, you're talking to the Holy Ghost. Should I say something? Because I, I think I need to witness to him. And you, you're trying to share with everybody. Why? Because you're excited. You're fired up about it. You don't, you don't really care about everything that's not right in your life. You're just so happy about this and you're excited about sharing your faith. You used to be eager to serve others. Remember that when you was eager to serve others where you were like, I'm happy. Can I please just be the one that picks up the trash at church? Y'all don't want me. You wasn't worried about, oh man, I don't know. I don't have nothing to wear to church tomorrow. How many of y'all, come on, you was not tripping off of that stuff. You was just so happy. You wasn't caring that much about your outfit. And then you were at the church just happy, just happy to serve people, just happy and excited that God gave you a chance to do this. And look at this. You used to be excited just to know a family. Uh, I'm telling you, I have to preach these things because God is shifting things. So imagine that. Remember, you used to be just so excited to know a family. And you was excited about knowing that family instead of focusing on their flaws. Oh, I can't get no amen right here. Uh, so you used to be excited just because you know them. But now you even got comfortable. And so now you're pointing out, so, oh, hmm. Yeah, she's still doing that. You see what I'm saying? She's still doing this. She's still doing that. And so there's a shift. And now we become selective. Now we kind of pick and choose. And now we're, you know, but that's 
not where God wants us to be. And now let's go to Matthew, Matthew 22, 36 through 39. Matthew 22, 36 through 39. Master, they said, which is the great commandment in the law? And then next verse. Jesus says unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Stop right there. So what does that mean when you love God with all your heart? I'll tell you what it's supposed to mean. God is first. Uh, there used to be a time for people where it was God first. And they said, oh, no, no, no. You know, there used to be a time where God, uh, people shifted their schedule around what God had for them to do. Oh, can I get amen right here? God did not used to fit into people's schedules like he does now. See, now people have things that interrupt and they come in and I can't do that. Why? Because your schedule. And so something else has become priority. Right. And that's why God says, well, you don't love me like you used to. And you don't love people like you used to. And so now all these other things come in. I can remember a time and I've I've met people in ministry before, but I, I think it's pretty much a shame when this happens. But I've met people that are going through a tough time. And all of a sudden they pressing in to God. You, you, you hear me? I'm talking about they pressing in and they come in on Sunday and they come in on Wednesday and they pressing, man. They talking about whatever meeting you got, whatever you got going on. They trying to be in attendance because they, they they're going through something. A lot of times it's like they don't have a job or they don't have something like that, but they really leaning on God. They need a miracle. But then they get whatever it was they needed. Oh, I can't get amen right there. And now, all of a sudden, I don't see you. Hmm. You better repent and acknowledge how you have fallen. Because you should have been pressing and coming because your love for God is what's driving you. And so your love for God should not change just because... You no longer need a job. God blessed you and you already got the job. But how many know your love for God should not change? Because whether I got a job or I don't got a job, my love for God is driving me. I'm passionate about this. I'm not serving uh, God because I need him to do something for me. I'm serving him because of what he's already done. He saved me from a sinner's hell. He has given me the opportunity to have a right mind. He's given me an opportunity to live a new way. He didn't judge me and give me the punishment that I deserved. But people get comfortable. Now it's been a little while since you've been delivered. Now you have some, you got some years under your belt. Now you're not addicted no more like you used to be. But you get comfortable. And that's not what God wants. He wants you to stay hungry. He wants you to stay passionate. He, this fire that he puts in you is never to go out. It's only to intensify. Where people make mistakes is they back away from their first love. And so we got to make sure that we pay attention to this. Jesus said unto them, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. What does all mean? Everything. So does that mean that there can be no one that can be first in your heart, but God. Does that mean that there also can be no one that can be first in your mind, 
except God. So you've got to establish that within yourself. Oh, no, God comes before everybody. God comes before my spouse. God comes before my kids. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to let my kids pull me out of my relationship with God. Uh, parents make these great mistakes. They used to be passionate and faithful to God and serving and coming to church. And all of a sudden, the kids got activities. They're trying to uh, chase the kid around and getting all these travel sports teams. And you going everywhere. And, uh, oh, God understands. I do my little devotion in the morning. But that ain't what you used to do. Amen. But now people prioritize and put all these other things in place. And now God takes a second. God takes a back seat. Well, that's a dangerous place to be because he says that I got to love God. First and foremost and prioritize. Now, remember, I read in Revelation two where he says you sacrifice. Well, how I many know that's sometimes. Like, you got to do stuff when you don't feel like it. Y'all in here with me. Do you understand that just because you don't feel your best, y'all okay with this? That don't mean you could just skip out on church and skip out on the things of God. You know how many times I came and I wasn't feeling my best? But God never gave me a pass. And if he gave me a pass, you know what I would do with the pass? I'd give it back to him. I'll say, God, I don't need no pass because I'm doing this because I love you too much. I love you too much to be skipping out on what you're doing. So you can count me in. I don't care what the cost. You can count me in. And then some of us say, well, that, that's not that important. What, what Jesus says, you better repent of these things or else I'm going to remove your lampstand. And so how many know if your fire is put out by God, you can't light it back. So you don't want to allow that to happen. You don't want to be a people that allow these things to happen. Amen. And so uh, let's see all their heart and all their mind. OK, next verse, verse 38. This is the first and great commandment. Okay, so that's number one. And second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor, what? As thyself. So if I love my neighbor, I'm surely not talking about him, you know, dogging him out, all these types of things. But you shall love thy neighbor as thyself. And then now, next verse. He says, um, next verse, verse 40. He's going to say that basically everything is hanging on these. And so what does this mean? How do I how do I keep the commandments? You know, how do I do all these things? Well, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So what this means is everything is hinging on this. If I can get these two together, then everything else is going to work out just fine. If I can love God first then I'm surely going to have no problem loving my neighbor as myself because my love for God is the real driving force. And so I'm not going to be mean to somebody else because I love my God too much. Amen. I'm not going to disobey him because I love him too much. Amen. And so this is what he is trying to uh, help us understand. And so this is the foundation. Look at your name and say foundation. foundation. So your foundation is these first two commandments. I'm going to love God 
with all my heart, soul, and mind, and all my strength and everything, and I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. And so this is what I'm standing on. Now, here's what we must do. We must focus on the mission. So if we got this understanding of these first two great commandments, but now it's like, okay, what do we do? You know, what happens? Okay, we become Christians, and, and what is all this stuff? I mean, there's such a cycle that people go through, but it's supposed to be a continuous uptrend in the church. Amen. Do you understand that you're supposed to be stronger now than you were when you first began? You're not supposed to be starting out, getting up here and then down. And then now you're trying to get back to where you once were. That's not God's intention. God, listen, do you understand Paul did not have that type of trend? Paul was here and he just kept going all the way up until he got to heaven. That's supposed to be our, all of us. Our growth track is supposed to be up. We're supposed to just keep on going up until we make it to heaven. And so how do we do that? We must focus on the mission. Look at your name and say the mission. And not the ministry. And so the ministry is what gets people caught up. And so the ministry, do you, do you understand? No, this is a sad thing to say. But you know how many people that are musicians in church that are not even saved? What a travesty. Where you spend time singing and leading people in worship and you're not even saved. So at the end of it all, you're not even going to make it. That should never be like that. That should never. I don't want anybody in our church that's just doing church things, but it's not even saved. It's like, what would that matter if you did so many great things for the church, but you're not even right with God yourself? What a travesty, right? And so we must focus on the mission, not the ministry. So ministry could be the church. You know, it's okay. Ministry is good. The ministry could be the church. It could be an organization. Come on, you guys know some organizations. They help this or they help that it's a, a ministry a nonprofit organization and they're out feeding the homeless or they're doing this or going to other countries or helping in times of where there's disasters or whatever also ministry could be a calling right i'm called to like preaching you know being a pastor is a calling you have to be called to do that to 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 be able to set under that anointing well there's all the ministry gifts and all the things that people do um serving in church you know that we call it the media ministry or the worship ministry or it's all uh different things like that but we don't need to focus on the ministry we need to focus on the mission and so the mission what is the mission the mission is the mandate look at your name and say mandate what, what do you guys think about when you hear the word mandate? You think it's uh, options in that or I don't know. Any, oh, no. Like mandate. Does that mean like like required or something like or, you know, we, we could say it's pretty serious. OK, so the mission is the mandate. It's the purpose, the driving force, the reason we exist. So why are you still here as a Christian? Because if it were just about salvation, you'd already be in heaven. Because you already got saved. But why are you here? Well, it's the mission. The mission is at hand. And so this is the reason we existed or we exist. And so, you know, when the church started out, 
Do you understand they didn't even have buildings? Huh? When the church started out, they didn't even have buildings. Guess what? They had no praise teams. Y'all in here with me. They didn't have any video walls. Come on. They didn't have no light shows. They didn't have coffee shops. What? They didn't have any of that when they first started out. But you know what they had? They had the mission, the Holy Ghost, and passionate commitment. Do you understand if you know the mission and then you got the Holy Ghost and passionate commitment? You're going to be just fine. You're going to be able to fulfill whatever it is that God has called you to do in this earth. You're going to be able to complete that. How many of y'all want to hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant? Don't we all want that? How do we get that? We don't get that unless we're focused on the mission. We're focused on why am I here? Think about this. Why are you a Christian that is still alive on planet Earth? It's really to spread the good news of the gospel, to be a witness, to let uh, other people see what Jesus looks like, to expose them to his goodness and his power and all those things. That's what this is really about. And so uh, let's go to Mark, Mark 16, 15 through 20. We know this, but this is called the Great Commission. But I want us to read it and I want us to take ownership of it. I want us to take ownership of it as people, as a Christian. Anyone who hears me, I want you to take ownership of this. And he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. What's it say? Does this say, if you are called to be a preacher? So you know what happens? The problem that we run into in church is people, they become committed and then they think, Okay, coming to church, I read my Bible, so what do I do next? <sighs> Maybe I'm supposed to take Pastor Troy's job. <laughs> Why? I mean, is that, a, is that all you're supposed to do? You, uh, now, I know my Bible, and Pastor Troy's taught me so many scriptures, so guess what? I think I'm going to talk to him and say, I think the Lord wants me to preach next Sunday. <laughs> and I'm going to say, Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, it's more than that. See, I have an anointing to teach. I'm supposed to teach and help you so that you can fulfill and you can jump on board with me as we together go fulfill the Great Commission. You realize that there's no church big enough to hold the people if we are all fulfilling the Great Commission. And so when he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So everyone in God's creation, meaning his mankind, you know, don't be talking, trying to preach. Oh, well, that's, you know, he said every creature. So I'm about to give a sermon to my dog. Your dog don't, he, that dog don't understand. He's not going to give you no amen on that. He don't understand what you're talking about. This is for people. Amen. amen. I know there's, you know, People, that's okay. They believe the pets go to heaven or whatever. I'm not getting into an argument on that, but they can't get saved like you. You got to choose Jesus. 
Amen. If the pets get to go, well, I don't, that's on something else. But you the one that's going to have to choose. You the one got a free will. Amen. And you're the one that's going to have to say yes or no to Jesus. Amen. And so uh, it says, and he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not is damned. And so how are they going to give a, be given an option to believe? Well, you're going. Who's going? Who's going? When he said go preach, who is he talking to? Hmm? Everybody? When's the last time you preached the gospel to somebody? Some of y'all say yesterday. <laughs> Praise God. I was waiting for this sermon. I was ready. I'm sure happy to be at church today. Hey, hey. <laughs> but think about it. If this is the great commission, but then we can have we can ask ourselves something and we can say, but I don't preach to people. But what's this? I'm just read Mark. What does that say? Oh, no, no, because I just, I just like to let my light shine. Okay, that's the scripture too. Let your light shine before men so they will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. But scriptures don't cancel out each other, just so you know. So it's not like you can take one scripture and say, I'm going to do that one, but I'm going to skip this one. Amen. Amen. And so we are all to do this and giving people a chance to believe. And so we bring them in. Now, we have structure, right? You, you don't you're not to go around trying to get people baptized and just going and preaching to them and saying, OK, let me you got a bathtub. Let me, I'm going to baptize you right now. That unless God really specially told you to do that. Um, but it's really about bringing people into a spiritual connection with God. This is a spiritual baptism, but you do the baptism out when you do it as an outward expression of what took place in your heart. But my point is we are to be actively involved with this next verse. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues and they shall Take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And then he says, and they went forth. Okay, so he's telling them what to expect, right? So imagine that, God's power returning, and we start laying hands on the sick, and people are getting healed. And what happens when we're laying hands and demons are running and all kinds of stuff? Would you guys be on board with that? Would you guys be fine with that? Would Two? I only got two people. Amen. Hallelujah. I only got two people in this building that say, oh, no, no. I am looking forward to laying hands on somebody and the demon leaves. You want to see that? How many of y'all want to experience that? Some of y'all are like, well, what kind of demon is it? I'm just, I'm just saying. And then, and then, Pastor, because what I was thinking is, where is he going to go? When he leaves, I'm just, you know, can we cover some of those things? (laughs) Amen. There's some power in you, man. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. See, these are things that we're supposed to be excited about. What if we were excited about this type of stuff, even from kid being kids? Can you imagine that if you grew up as this was a way of life for you? What do you do? Oh, I cast out devils. Really? Yeah. We had a man, I had like three three of my classmates in kindergarten fell out in the spirit. 
Hey, what happens when the teacher calling you talking about, um, can you come get this child? <laughs> Everybody's getting slain in the spirit. They're all speaking in tongues. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, well, imagine that. Imagine that God's power is so powerful on kids that kids is getting adults delivered. Oh, come on, somebody. Kids, uh, come on, somebody. They, they, instead, they try to teach the kid, well, we're going to teach you about alternative lifestyle. And all of a sudden, the kid says, let me, let me just hold your hand. Bam! And they fall out under the power. Could any of this happen? You know, this type of stuff could be happening if the church will focus on the mission and not just the ministry. See, the church is so worried about, well, you know, they're free to do what they do there, and then maybe we'll invite them to church. No, no. What if you got power now? You, you don't have to necessarily wait, have somebody wait till they get to church for their, their lives to be impacted. And that's what the mission was doing. And they went forth and they preached everywhere. Where did they preach? Okay, so quick definition of preaching. Again, this is a different kind of preaching versus what we were doing yesterday. Really, preaching is heralding the truth, sharing the truth of the gospel. And so that's all we were doing is asking people if they if they know Jesus, if they've ever heard about Jesus, we share the love of Jesus. Well, that's preaching. That's going out there. And then you have an opportunity to pray with people, do things like that. But then they went forth and preached everywhere. And then but what was happening with them? This is why I'm preparing you guys. You guys, I'm getting you ready because this is going to start happening on outreach. And the Lord was working with them. Confirming the word with signs following. So how many of y'all ready to where now you pray and God's power flows through you and then the person is visibly touched and moved and all of a sudden they get healed. And they say, oh, what if you came to a door and you say, you got any prayer requests? Yeah, man, my knees have been, I've been doing this. And you say, Bam, laid hands on them, and you felt lightning go, uh, I'm, I might be at the wrong, I'm going to have to say this, man, I'm a, I might be somebody else. I still got some people that just, I haven't gone to church, what time we leaving, Pastor, because I just made my way to church. It's power. What happens when that power flows through you, and this person, they don't have to, that's the problem with the church. The, problem, the church is so busy worried about other church people. And doing stuff for other church people. But the mission was about the world. And the mission was about the world getting to people who don't even believe. But it's going to be hard. Then I don't really think they're going to argue with you if you lay hands on their knees and their knees get healed. I don't think they're going to afterwards say, well, I'm not sure if I want this Jesus. Chances are, if they get healed because you touched them, chances are they're going to say, so wait, so... um, um, so when do we meet again? When, um, is it, can I, they're going to ask you, can I have your phone number? Not us trying to, you see what I mean? But that was the mission. Now, we've gotten so far away from this, but think about it. This is how the whole church started. All with this stuff right here that we're talking about. It was all this right here. And so, God was going with them and he was confirming everything with signs following. Now go to uh, Acts, Acts 1.8. So we understand this word right here. Acts 1.8. 
and uh, he says that we will receive power. And so when you you understand that this power is available for you. But and it's on purpose It's for the purpose of spreading the gospel and and sharing the good news of the kingdom. And so um, I'll just read it out. He says, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That's what it says. You you look it up. You'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you should be witnesses. And so what does this mean is now I get the power of God flowing in my life. And now I can become a witness. Amen. And so what this witness is, is this witness is the empowerment that I need to go forth and do great things in the earth. Amen. Amen. And so Acts 1.8. Now, there we go. But you shall receive power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, or you shall be witnesses unto me both in, next verse, um, let's see, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And so what does that mean? You're empowered to go, what, fulfill the mission, right? The Great Commission, go forth and preach everywhere. Well, how many know you're not going to be scared if you got the Holy Ghost, you know, the Holy Ghost is not a ghost that scares you. He's a supernatural power. Amen. Come on. The, the, the third person in the Trinity. I'm, I'm talking about God and the spirit being inside of you. And when you go for doing what he has called you to do, you will be equipped and empowered to get that job done. Amen. What if God had you go and you just was out? Maybe you were, I'm t- I have to say these things because there's some great things that God's going to do. What if all of a sudden God says, okay, I want you to go to the park. And then you got all these people at the park. And then he says, now start preaching. He said, I, I, I've never preached. I don't know how to. I don't know how to preach. And then he just says, stand up on that bench and start going. How many of y'all would do it? Oh, I can't get a lot of amens. Y'all don't know what. He said, Pastor, where is this going? Like, what is this? I'm starting to feel a little nervous. Is this type of new thing going to start to happen? It's not even new. It's not new. This is, this is how it all started. And what happens when just regular Christians start sharing the gospel and preaching and laying hands and having prayer services at the park. Oh. Y'all, you guys, do you understand if this starts to happen? Now what happens when you encounter someone and now you start bringing people to church? See, you know, church is just a training center. That's all this is. Church is not a place where, see, the the devil has gotten a hold of it and it's changed. And so now 
pastors become icons and, and idols and, and people like to hide behind that. And so they have an excuse and it's just the pastor. And, but the pastor should be inspiring you in such a way where you say, wait, are you saying that I got that too? I used to say stuff because I heard my pastor say, he used to say, you're just as anointed as me. Well, I say that here, you're just as anointed as me. Well, I have people say, oh, pastor, I don't think you should say that because, because what? I don't, I mean, it's the truth. You have this, listen, it's the same God that's flowing in me that's flowing in you. But the difference between me and you is I'm willing to let him do whatever he wants to do with me. And so you need to get to the place where you say he, he can do whatever he wants to do with you. That's it. It's not about all these titles and structures and all that. And you, you should be coming to church because you want to learn. You want to grow. You want to get more of the word. You want to get closer to God so that now you can also be obedient when it comes to fulfilling this great commission. You're going to have the power you need because you will have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is an empowerment so that you can complete your assignment. The Holy Spirit is not for you to feel spiritual. You know, feeling spiritual means nothing to anyone but you. Do you understand? Nobody felt the goosebumps that you felt. That's something that you and God got. But what God it will do with his spirit, that's why he told them in Luke 24, 49, don't leave. Wait until you get endued with power from on high. So the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. Now you got the power and now you're going to go out there and you're going to win. You're going to be able to fulfill this commission. And so the power of God caused the church to grow in the early church. Not marketing campaigns. Amen. Not all these, st- you know, there's so many things. Now it's all about like the atmosphere. But I don't like that church because it's too bright. I don't like that church because it's too dark. How many know all that stuff doesn't matter? Because how bright or dark was the church in the book of Acts? I'm going to read something to you and just you guys can let me know if you think they had some type of a fog machine or any type of thing like that. I'm just saying they didn't pass it because I've heard this stuff like that, you know, well. I mean, you can't grow unless you have this or you have that. But I'm just saying, Lord, what did they have? It seems like to me what they had is what we need. It seems like to me what they had in the early church is what we need. And that's what the world is looking for today. So go to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. And so um, we see here. And we know this story uh, about the man being healed. But then Peter said, so the man is, is waiting outside the temple. The, the crazy thing about this whole story is the man was outside the temple. But shouldn't there have been healing power inside the temple? And so wouldn't it have been good if somebody said, we're going to take you in the temple? Because that's where... The, the healing power of God is. Well, that was not the structure back then. And so he's outside waiting and begging outside the temple because, okay, you know, these people will be nice enough to give me something. And so now then Peter, now once again, he's filled with the Holy Ghost. Then Peter said, silver and gold, I have none. 
And what he really meant is, you know, I don't have any of that to give you. I'm not giving you a handout. He says, silver and gold I have none, but such as I have I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Who did he say this to? A man that was crippled from his birth. But the power of God got released through Peter. Now, who was Peter? Peter was one that was, when he was trying to be a follower, he kept messing up. But after Peter got the Holy Ghost, Peter was just walking around on fire the whole time. And God's power was flowing through him. And so if you look at that and you understand, it's like, wait a minute. He says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give unto you. Rise up. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Next verse. And he took him by the right hand. Now, how many know you got, that's got to take some faith, right? Come on. Because you could say something to somebody. You could pray over somebody in a wheelchair and say, be healed. I mean, it was a whole nother level when you grab their hand. And you start talking about rising, you getting up, huh? Some of y'all, you're like, wait, what? Well, if God starts to flow like that, don't you want to be in that flow? Well, God's already flowing like that. These things are happening. And so really they never stopped happening, but they were not publicized. And so the enemy tries to keep all this stuff a secret. And so he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Next verse. And he, leaping up, stood and walked, and now, what? He entered into the temple. So what does it mean? Now he wants to follow them. Why? Because he got a miracle. And if he would have gotten alms, he wouldn't have wanted to follow them. But he wanted to follow them because they got a, he got a miracle. And so his feet and ankle bones start popping. He received strength, and he got up. Entering into the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. And praising God. And so what was this? This was the mission. And so the mission, because isn't that what he said in Mark? Go out, preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick. And so how do you get followers? Because they got to be touched by God. That's what's going to cause somebody to want to follow your God, is they're going to experience his power. Go to um, Matthew now, Matthew 10, 8. Matthew 10, 8. Matthew 10, 8, he says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. So freely you have received this power. So freely give it away. And when this power is flowing like this, it has nothing to do with logic, intellect, things that we, you know, because we've, been able to get into a place now in our lives where we can think about stuff. Sometimes you overthink. Have you ever been guilty of overthinking something? But they didn't get to do that back then because it was just the power flowing and they just following the power. And that's how they live in. And now let's go to Matthew 28, 19. And so Matthew 28, 19 in the Amplified Classic. And so what we see here is this is that responsibility. He says, go then and make disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple is a follower. So who's supposed to make disciples? Oh, you guys are? 
You are? So what is a disciple? A disciple is a follower. So basically what he's telling you is go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Next verse. This is what we all supposed to do. Teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you. Basically all the way to the end. And so what does this mean? You're supposed to teach them to do what you do. So imagine this. We can just use our outreach example. Just, you know, because we recently, we did it yesterday. So imagine this. Well, I know it was Brother Garrett's first time, right? He was with me. So Brother Garrett, it was his first time. So now he learned some things, right? So what if next time Brother Garrett is teaching some, oh, come, yeah. Huh? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? So next time he's teaching somebody. Then the next time the person he taught is teaching somebody. Well, and it just keeps expanding. You see what I'm saying? This is the power. It's the same power flowing through all of us. See, when we were out there, he, he did introduce me as Pastor Troy. But really what I was doing was serving God with him, fulfilling the Great Commission. That's all we were doing. Because... I was training him, showing him some things like that. But all of us, my point is, while out there on that walk, he had just as much power as I had. Oh, see, that's really going to mess some people up right there. That's going to mess up some, you mean, because some people say, well, I wanted to go on outreach with the pastor. (laughs) What's that got to do with anything? Everybody is able to flow in the same anointing. You see what I'm saying? This is how this works. When you're able to let this flow, this power, you understand it's available for me. I want to, man, what happened? How come the church lost sight of this stuff? We should have an expectation to this day to be able to flow in this type of anointing to where you are empowered enough to teach someone else to do the same thing you're doing. How many of y'all believe you could teach at least one person? So imagine that. What what are we going to do? What are we going to do when you get three disciples? That row is going to be all messed up right there. Because there are going to be three. Let's see. Man, we... we, Oh, this row... Oh, people... Roles start getting filled up. Amen. Because you have decided. But if we just keep coming to church, what do we do? Oh, where's. And we're asking each other. Where's Sister So and so? I wonder why she missed today. But when we get busy about the mission, we're not going to have time to do that. Because now you got three disciples trying to, they, they're following you. The next thing you know, this thing starts to expand and everybody stays in the flow and everybody is in need of a fresh anointing. Psalm 92, 10, he releases the fresh anointing on you, but the fresh anointing doesn't come if you're not using the one you already been given. If you're not releasing the anointing, you're not going to get new anointing. So you got to get active. You got to be willing to release. And so we have to be mission minded and not ministry minded. 
Amen. So it's about the mission. It's about building the kingdom. It's not just about what church I go to. It's about building the kingdom. I'm a, just say this by faith. Say I'm a soul winner. Come on, look at your name and say, I'm a kingdom builder. Man, if you could just walk around the earth like that, I mean, no, look at your name and say, I am anointed to lay hands on the sick. Do y'all believe this stuff I'm teaching you? Do you even believe it? This is what the word says. And then before we close, I'm gonna, I want to pray for you. But before we close, there are three types of churches that exist today. So y'all need to hear this. A dying church, a lying church, and a thriving church. And so, of course, we want to be thriving. A dying church is a church that's stuck in religion, stuck in tradition. Uh, they're just stuck in their old belief patterns, their old ways. And, and in the, the dying church, you have so many titles, so many, you know, stuff, so many uh, committees and all this junk that that does not really matter. A lion church is really popular to this day. A lion church is a church that won't tell people the truth. A lion church is a church where they pacify people. There's no conviction. There's no repentance. They don't want the pastor talking about what they need to do right. Come on, somebody. If this was a lion church, y'all wouldn't have been uh, happy with me because I told you you need to come on time. Because in a lion church, they say you do what you want. But a thriving church which is where we all need to be. A thriving church is passionate about the mission and not ministry. Uh, A thriving church cares more about souls than money and fame. Amen? Amen. Catchy sermons, flashy Instagram posts, whatever it is. Uh, uh, A church that is thriving cares more about souls and money and fame and guess what it's committed to the truth at all costs and so you know we're instructed in second timothy chapter three that we got to be careful because in the last days there's going to be all this stuff going on which we see a lot of this stuff already happening but one of the things it says in second timothy three five is that they will have a form of godliness but denying the power thereof And so the power that can change a person, they will deny that. They'll have a form of godliness. But the thing that can change your life. Let me just let me just put that up there. Second Timothy three, five. So for although they hold a form of piety, that is true religion. They deny and reject y'all in here with me and are strangers to the power of it. Their conduct, the power uh, of it. Okay, restrain it to and reject the power of it. Next, their conduct. Next verse. Let me give you maybe it's verse six. Or, okay, yeah. Their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession. Avoid all such people. And so what this means is they have a form of godliness. That's somebody telling you, yeah, I'm a Christian, I love God, but. They reject the power that can change them. That's why they're not changed. That's why they're still doing the same stuff, 
as a Christian as they were when they wasn't a Christian. But if you receive the real power, the true power, the power that Jesus told them, don't go nowhere until you get this power. What power is that? That's the power of the Holy Ghost. When you receive the power of the Holy Ghost, then you're going to be a witness. Amen. Come on. You're going to live a changed life because John baptizes unto repentance. But even in uh, John said, the one that's coming after me, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so when you have the fire burning in your life, you'll be able to be a witness. Come on. You won't be an apologetic Christian. You will be a witness that's on fire and you will say, hey, come over here because this right here that's burning on me. God's got that for you. And then all of a sudden it starts to expand. It starts to. And that's where you get supernatural increase coming into your life. But you got to believe it and you got to believe that I got the power on me. And so what God wants from his church is he wants us to be a people that are ready at a moment's notice to do whatever he tells us. We're ready at a moment's notice to pray for people, to lay hands on them, to speak life on them, to do all these things. See, don't get caught up in even your own life. Maybe you have things right now that are not fixed. I can't get amen right here. Maybe you're still believing God to do some things for you. Well, I have a challenge for you. Take your mind off of what you want him to do for you and ask him to give you a revelation of what he wants you to do for him. Then all of a sudden you start focusing on the mission and guess what? You forgot about your problems. You forgot about all the opposition that was against you because all of a sudden you returned to your first love. And you used to be on fire for God. And now you're on fire again. You used to be passionate about God. And now you're passionate again. Come on, you used to be willing to tell anybody, anywhere about God. And now you're willing to do it again. You see what I'm saying? That's what God is doing. And that's going to cause things to shift for you. Your breakthrough is not going to come because you keep asking God. Your breakthrough is going to come because now God has become your priority. And now you prioritize What's important to him is now important to you. And you start to say, it doesn't matter if you don't do anything else for me, God. You've already done enough. I'm so excited. I just want to, I'm ready to get some people saved. I'm ready to get some people healed. I'm ready for God to use me to lay hands on the sick. To restore hope to someone who's on the verge of losing it. God is saying all this bad stuff and all these people falling out and, and falling to demise should not be happening if my church is there. But let's be those people that are ready to be used by him in a wonderful way in the earth. How many of y'all will say, here I am, Lord, just send me. See, I, I don't I don't need to know how to do it. I don't need to know. I don't need to understand everything. But Lord, help me on this Sunday. Help me to restore 
my passion. Help me to return. See? You know it ain't God that lets you get to where you're not all jacked up and so fired up about God like you used to. That ain't God saying, I'm pushing you to be cooler for me now. That's the enemy. And what happens? The cares of this life come in on you like a flood. Wear you down. Burn out your fire. But God's lighting that thing up again. And God's going to launch you into great things and you're going to do great things in the earth. And so we're going to be those examples. We're going to be used by God. I'm ready for testimonies. I'm ready for testimonies. I'm ready for some of y'all to come back and say, Pastor, oh, let me tell you this. I was just over there, man, at the store, and I was just in there real quick. And, man, right there on aisle three, it went down. Come on. Hey, you know demons go to the store, too. Did y'all know that? You know you can see a demon up up in the store. So you got to be ready and equipped. Amen. So that now God's power will overtake situations. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word, the power of your word, your truth prevails all the time. We humbly surrender. We submit ourselves into your hands. I'm praying right now. While every head is bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're listening to this and you don't know Jesus as Lord. Well, we invite you into the kingdom. We say choose him today. It'll be the best thing that you could ever do. But you must do it with a willing heart. Let him have your life. If that's you, raise your hand. I'll pray for you. Maybe at home, just wave at, at the TV. God will see you there. I'm praying right now that God touches your life. Church, let's repeat this prayer so that anyone who hears this message will know how to receive Jesus as Lord. Repeat after me. Jesus, please forgive me for all of my sins. I commit my life into your hands. This day, I am saved. Do with me as you please and fill me with the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap for the Lord, amen. Praise God.